welcome back. If you've got this far, I guess you know this is Alan Johnson, that NLP bloke, with stuff and uncommon sense. Some stuff I've learned about how to be a human, wrapped around things like NLP, neurolinguistic programming. Episode 7, The Tale of the Hungry Tiger, or how to realise that our values are unique to us. Following on from our last podcast about beliefs, values kind of sit above beliefs. They're the things that run within us very deeply and that our beliefs support. So sometimes, you know, when somebody just gets on your nerves or when somebody you think, how could they do that? I don't understand what makes them do that. I don't understand how they dare do that. I'd never dream of doing that myself. Well, this kind of fits in with that thing that we sometimes get into that everybody thinks like me don't they and everybody feels like me and everyone should behave like me and if they don't they bloody well should and that's sometimes the issue we don't understand what's driving the other person we can't second position their values and beliefs and their behaviors so we can get really frustrated with people who don't reciprocate who don't behave in the way we think they should behave So we might think, well, I think politeness is really, really important. And when somebody isn't polite back, we get really upset. Well, it's a bit daft, really, thinking like that. Because someone else's values are right for them and your values are right for you. And if you have a values clash, this might show itself in a workplace when you just don't get on with somebody and you're in a values level of clash. We expect others to possibly do what we think the world should do. But it's a bit crazy. Now, I know that if you listen to this podcast, you must be a nice person. And nice is lovely. I wish everybody could be nice. But are they? Just because you're nice and you're a nice person, does the rest of the world treat you nicely? Well, no, it doesn't, does it? Because expecting the world to treat you nicely just because you're a nice person, is as crazy as expecting a hungry tiger not to eat you because you're a vegetarian. The values that sit inside of you are unique to you. You know what it's like to be you, but you don't know what it's like to be me. You don't don't know what it's like to be anybody else. And the things that are important to them and the way they think they should get those things can be very, very different. So when we're talking about rules, beliefs last time, we talk about values. These are the things that are important to somebody. So the things that I think are important are my values. The question to ask yourself or somebody else is, what's important to you about work, relationships, etc.? Now, we've got to watch with relation with values. We've got to watch for the difference between spoken values and real values. So people might speak values. Oh, I think it's really important that I spend time with my family whenever I can. But then they work in 100 hours a week. And on a weekend, they go away with friends or they're in the pub till midnight. And they're not actually walking out their values. So the way we can find a difference between spoken values and real values, it's where somebody spends or expends. So values is valuable like currency. So it's where people spend or expend their time, energy, 
Effort, attention and money. So it's an acronym TEAM. Time, energy, effort, attention and money. So wherever the person actually spends those things is what they're actually valuing at that time. Now, some of it might be outside of their control if they're being made to work long hours, etc., etc. But over a period of time, how would the other person respond? So you say you're all, all for this, but you're actually doing this. And people will feel it. When we have our values pushed, we feel it in our tummy. It's something that's deep inside of us, a feeling. If we're in a workplace that says we are looking after our staff, we think our staff should speak and be happy to talk to us, we think our staff should be developed, we think our staff should be looked after, the most important commodity at work, but you know on the ground floor that that doesn't happen, that there's a lot of bullying, that it's jobs for the people who are friends with other people, that we know that the values are not being met, we just feel it like hypocrisy. And in a way, those values might as well not be written down. In fact, it's probably better that they're not written down. If you don't have any written down values, then the behaviour is taken in its own context. But if you've got values that say one thing and behaviour that says another, then people can really, really feel it. And that hypocrisy can be really powerful. But remember, you're always right, but you're only right for you. The values inside of you make perfect sense to you, but they might not make sense to other people. A lot of people focus on what we might call means values rather than ends values. So things that give the person what they're actually wanting. So we very much see a world where we focused on possibly money, status, acquisition of things. And we think those are the things that we value. So people can get obsessed with those things, with money and status and power and objects and a big house and a car and they're not always happy because actually what is it that those things give them most of us would like enough money to be comfortable and happy and maybe treat ourselves now and again but only focusing on money does that make people happy not usually it's what it gives them if people know how to enjoy themselves then they'll be happy but the ends values that most people are after are things like happiness and peace and love and connection and all things which are internal because that happiness is an inside job happiness is what i make of the world it's not having lots and lots of stuff necessarily it's about being happy with where i am who i am and what i have so if you watch um i'm a celebrity get me out of here which is a reality show in the uk and possibly other countries where celebrities are moved into a very stark environment where they have to uh, do things for food and some days they don't get much food and after a few days you see them changing from um, I can't cope without makeup and a hairbrush and my phone to within a week really appreciating having very little material goods surviving and living just with a company of people and the nature around them with very very little food and suddenly one chocolate biscuit seems like a massive massive treat so sometimes our perspective can be skewed when we're thinking about valuing things that are material things and not remembering what it is we actually value, which is often more about people and connection and doing things that make us happy. So what can happen is our standards and our values and our beliefs, we project onto other people. 
So we have our, what we might call rules or idiosyncrasies, little things that we think have to be true, such as when we hang washing out, it's got to be hung in height order and the pegs have got to be the same color. We've got to have knives, forks and spoons in that order. We've got to have tea, coffee, sugar in that order. We have to avoid the cracks in the pavement. We have to do things in a certain order. Or we think people should be polite. If you let somebody out of a junction in your car, they must wave at you. Oh, they're, they're terrible people. And we think we've got to be doing these things. Other people have got to follow our rules. Now, these rules, inverted commas, our standards, our processes, what we think is true, what we think has to happen. When we go out into the world and meet people who don't know our rules, because we often don't express our rules. Now, we might tell people when they get them wrong, but we don't always express our rules. We will find that that causes emotions within us. Now, this model is somebody called Andrew Austin. Andrew T. Austin is worth a look at. He's on YouTube um, and he's got his own uh, websites. He's a, a fantastic writer and therapist who I've learned a lot from. He created something called Integral Eye Movement Therapy, IEMT. And this model I learned from him on this, um, and I now train IEMT, which is a really quick change technique using eye movements. It's something called the three pillars. Now, if you go to the website associated with these uh, podcasts, you'll see the paperwork. It's much easier to see it in front of you. But if you can't do that, just imagine three columns. And in the left-hand column, we have guilt, shame, regret, and remorse. In the middle column, we've got anxiety, fear, worry, stress. And in the th third column on the right, we've got anger, temper, outbursts, kickoff. And what I've learned and what Andy pointed out to me was people who do a lot of anxiety, worry, and stress tend to very quickly be able to go into the other column, the anger and kickoff column, and then very quickly go into the guilt and shame column. Because people who are running these patterns often are living in one of these three pillars. Now, this is just a personality thing. If this is just how you are, that's absolutely fine. But if any of these pillars become really full, so if you're anxious most of the time, it's quite easy to tip over into anger and then feel bad for getting angry and then feel anxious again in case you kick off again. And the first column is about the past. The middle column is about the future. And the end column is about the now. Because you can't regret something that hasn't happened yet. You might feel anxious about going to feel regret. You can't feel anxious about something that's already happened. And anger is about what's happening right now. This is a very brief rendition of the three pillars. It normally takes quite a long time to understand it fully. But the important thing to realize is the way that we create these feelings within ourselves is because of our rules. So the rules we've just mentioned, our values, our beliefs, our little procedures about how things have to be done. And because we have a rule structure, when those rules are not met in different ways, we feel these different feelings. So for instance, in the left-hand column, I can only feel guilt, shame, regret, and remorse if I've broken my own rule. So if I have a rule about being kind and courteous to people, and one day because I'm a bit tired, I'm a bit snappy with somebody, I might feel guilty. And I might feel ashamed if somebody else saw me doing it. If I'm feeling anxious, stressed, etc., that's because I don't know what the rules are here. I've been put into a situation where I don't know what's happening or what's coming next. Or 
I can't be sure my rules are going to be met. I'm in an unusual situation. My plans haven't worked. I find myself outside of my normal comfort zone frame. So I get stressed because I haven't got the rules. An example here would be if I um, imagine I've got a, a boss who's grumpy, but they're grumpy to everybody every day. There's no favoritism. Or I have a boss who is lovely to me one day, but horrible the next. The one that's easy to cope with, yes, it's the one that's consistent. When you knock on the door, you know that you're going to get the grumpy version. When you knock on the other person's door, you're not sure which version you're going to get. And that unknown is what causes us to be anxious. It's what causes us to walk on eggshells around people if they're unpredictable. So if you are a leader and you want people to be calm around you, be predictable. I once taught this to a leader and they said, oh, I like to keep people on my toes. I do that on purpose. I don't think that's particularly good leadership. But when we know what's coming, when we know what the procedure is, we can do it. If we go to somebody else's house for uh, Christmas, for instance, if you celebrate Christmas or you have another festival and you're used to doing it with your family, you go to someone else's house, they do it all wrong. They do it in the wrong order. They don't, you don't do that there. That's not how that works. And when we don't know what's coming up, we can feel anxious. And then the third column, if we get angry very often, it's because other people are breaking our rules. You broke my rule. You should know that when I let you out of a junction, you must flash your lights and wave at me, or you're a bastard and I'm going to come after you. And what can happen is we can just find ourselves getting angry all of the time because we express, or we don't actually express, but we have really powerful rules for the rest of the world. The rest of the world is not going to follow my rules, A, because they don't know what my rules are, because I don't usually tell people what my rules are, because if you loved me, you should just know. Or it's just bloody common sense. But unfortunately, common sense isn't that common, is it? And it's only common to the person that knows that. And then we'll find out when you've broken somebody's rules. So what we've got are three high emotional states which can tip across into one to the other to the other. Somebody gets anxious about coming to see me, for instance, and then when they get here, I'm a little bit provocative and they get upset and get storm out. And then 10 minutes later, they knock on the door saying, do you mind if I come back in? They've gone from anxiety to angry to guilty, and then they're probably sitting there in anxiety again. About half the people I meet are running this three pillars model. If you recognize this in yourself, that at some level you're in one of these three columns, these three pillars, then if it's okay, it's okay. But if you feel as though one of them's a little bit high, it's very easy to go into the other two. The other thing I've learned is when somebody's angry all the time, it's often anxiety that's driving it or guilt. So the what's presenting is not always the problem underneath. And what you might find is people escape the emotion they don't like. So people who are more guilty or shameful, things about the past, tend to escape to the future. And they might fantasize about winning the lottery, about that perfect job coming along, about this partner that's going to come along and sweep them off their feet. So they'll fantasize about a utopian future. They'll go off into sci-fi and play role-playing games. People who are more anxious, so the future's scary, they might go back into the past and say, Oh, it's not like it wasn't like that when I started here. They call them cyclopses, the one eyes. One eye started here, you didn't have to do that. Nostalgia, and nostalgia isn't what it used to be. Or I should have been born 50 years ago, 
um, I wasn't for these times. And they'll hark back to a perfect past, to the childhood, times when there was no stress and things were perfect. People who do a lot of anger, they just need a target. So I didn't say it was your fault, I just said I was going to blame you. So they'll take it out on whoever's in front of them. So we talked about this in previous podcasts. They might go home and take it out on the family member, the dog. They might go to the gym and punch something. They might take it out on that driver who didn't really cut them up, but they're going to have a go at them. Or they might go into the supermarket and deliberately bump into people with a trolley so they've got a setup to get angry. The IEMT I mentioned, which I train and I use with clients very much so, is very good for cooling down all of these emotions. So if there's something that troubles you, I would recommend seeking out an IEMT practitioner. Uh, to really quickly change these feelings because they're usually very very old feelings that are coming up again in the now so what we've got is other other, our rules not being matched by ourselves not being matched by other people or us not knowing what the rules are next and that causes these high emotional states Uh, I learned this and I thought this is a really simple and powerful way to understand how I'm doing that how I train a people in it and I teach my clients this very much so it really helps them but if this is my personality and I've got strict rules for myself what do I do about it well what I will advise people to do very often is to lower your standards for other people at least if you can't bear to lower your own standards so have very little expectation on other people's behavior because other people will be them they will run their values through their map that makes sense for them very often people are not doing things against you they're not breaking your rules because they want to break your rules they're breaking their rules because your rules are fucking stupid for them they're doing the rules that are right for them so let people have their own ways of being as much as possible so take your rules for yourself and don't give them to other people like we said last time, take yourself less seriously. Laugh at yourself when you've got these strange little quirky ways of being if they don't make sense to anyone else. Don't take things personally as much as you can. Other people are getting by. They're just doing what they can do to survive. Most of us are winging it. Most of us are not even watching what the other person's doing. And sometimes when we clash, it's because... I'm doing my thing, you're doing your thing, and we've got a a values clash, we've got a difference in opinion on the way it's done. So be less bothered by other people's stuff, because it's often not personal. And just realise that everybody's different. I'm not the same as you, you're not the same as me. When you're confronted by the hungry tiger, it's an equal opportunities employer. It doesn't care whether you're a vegetarian, whether you're a vegan, whether you're a meat eater or whether you're a breatharian it doesn't care if it's hungry it's going to eat you so realizing that inside of other people their values make perfect sense to them even if they don't make perfect sense to you and following on from what we said in the last podcast that acceptance of difference and tolerance of difference will serve us well so i think it's useful to remember lower your standards if they don't serve you Don't take anything personally from other people. Take yourself less seriously, lighten up and laugh at yourself where you can. And maybe go back and examine your values. Where did they come from? Do they still serve me? Could I hold something different that might be helpful? We can have our values the same, but our behaviours and beliefs very, very differently. 
So, for instance, if we both have a high value on safety and security, your version of that might be um, I have to be in when it's dark, I have to have six bolts on the door, I have to have CCTV cameras, a big wall around my house, and I don't let anybody in. And that makes me feel safe. Whereas I might say, well, I want to feel safe, but I know that if someone's going to be in my house, they're going to be in anyway. Um, so I'll put one little lock on the door if I remember, I'll leave my windows open, and I'll assume that most people are okay until I find out that they're not. So we've both got a high value on safety and security, but your beliefs and behaviours about how to get that are very different from mine. So again, we might actually hold the same values, but just have very, very different beliefs and behaviours and ways of going along to get them. So one good frame to have in your mind all the time is being curious about others. People who are not like us when their maps are very different possibly think, well, what has to be true in their world for them to think that that's true or that's possible? What has to be true and right for them to be able to do that? And if possible, being able to understand where somebody's coming from, if we know that, or we think their intentions are not meant to be bad, we could possibly learn something new. So thanks for listening again. Hope you're enjoying the podcasts. Share, like, and favourite as far as far and wide as you can. And we'll see you next time.